you know, there's this idea that exercise is for toning up or getting fit or running a marathon. But, you know, I really love you using movement to just be healthy. What about if we just use movement to care for our bodies and to be healthy in our bodies and to feel at home in our bodies and feel safe in our bodies and feel like we loved our bodies? You know, why do we always have to use it to be better or something other than we are? Welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land where I live, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people within Australia. I aim to bring you collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. The gorgeous little song that you heard in the intro and the outro is called The Littlest Birds. It was performed by the Oluca family band from the Olive Gap Farm. It was originally performed by the Be Good Tanyas and generously sponsored by the Olive Gap Farm, which is a certified organic family farm specialising in small batch native essential oils and seasonal cut flowers. I highly recommend checking out their tea tree oil online. They are located on Bundjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia. And draw on inspiration from various sustainable farming practices to create a high quality product that's equally nourishing to us and the earth. You can check out links to their website and social media in the show notes. Hey everyone, I've got Sophie Jeffries here from Bearing Wonder. Sophie is a Pilates teacher with a huge love for supporting new mothers and their bodies through pregnancy, birth and beyond. Sophie is also a shiatsu therapist, postpartum doula and was once a dancer. Importantly, she's also a mother. So movement and body work has been woven throughout Sophie's life and she loves helping bodies learn, integrate and play with pathways of healthy, happy movement while helping women befriend their body with kindness and reverence. I love that. I'm going to... I'm just warning everyone, I'm probably going to skip over my words. It's really, really hot today. I was telling Sophie, I feel like I'm sweating and my brain's all fuzzy. It's like our first proper day of summer. So hi, Sophie. Thanks so much for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to get into this chat and having a little pre-chat and just hear how passionate you are, but you've also got lots of great lived experience and knowledge to share with people, which is awesome. So you're a mum also. How, have you got two kids? I've got two, yeah. So I have um, a little boy who's eight and a little girl who is five. So I'm out of the early baby years. Yeah. And it feels like a really different phase now. You're about three years ahead of me. <laughs> I've got a three-year-old, <laughs> six-year-old. So, yeah, I can get some tips from you. I feel like it's such a huge topic and I'm really excited to have you on for a few reasons one for people listening we I first came across uh, and met Sophie through newborn mothers we studied postpartum doula work together with Julia Jones Um, but also like this is sort of really something I don't know a lot about and I probably I've looked into for my own care and you know for mums I work with a bit to be able to refer like enough to refer but it's really so far from like my knowledge base whereas I love food and herbs and that sort of thing um, which you do also but um, you've also got this great experience being a Pilates teacher and understanding the body which is so important I think we can both relate because I've been through my own I'm still healing physical challenges from having babies and um and yeah you've been through your own lived experience too but I'd love to just open up by you sharing a little bit about yeah who you are what you're doing at the moment so the work you're doing in the studio and um then just how amazing a woman's body is how much it changes through pregnancy and birth just to kind of 
put it in perspective. I know we know, but sometimes we need a reminder. Um, okay. So I, at the moment I'm working as a Pilates teacher. So I've done that for a long time since 2004. That's been like my bread and butter. And then after I had children, I became really fascinated with, um, the lack of care (laughs) that's generally provided to women postnatally. So that was my first, you know, after my son was born and I struggled really, um, a lot with, Uh, pelvic girdle pain and so I really struggled to sort of heal and rehabilitate after he was born and I felt like it should be easier than it was because I was a Pilates teacher I was in that sort of realm and I felt like I just didn't know what to do I didn't know where to get help and then when I became pregnant with my second I became really interested in preventative care because I suddenly figured out like how much there is to do in terms of movement that we can do to support women to prevent injuries going through pregnancy, prepare their bodies for birth so they have smoother, perhaps less difficult births. And then because, of course, that then impacts postpartum, you know, we want to support their body through that pregnancy birth period so that they have a really beautiful postpartum period. But also there's loads you can do in postpartum to prevent injuries from occurring then and to support rehabilitation. And I just feel like the more I... Um, look into it and I do think about this a lot (laughs) I feel like there is like a really massive gap in the way we care for mums in terms of their physicality and I guess I'm just really interested in that because I have spent so long working with movement and working with bodies and um, you know even before I had my own children, I was aware of, you know, mums coming into the Pilates studio during pregnancy and then often I wouldn't see them for years Um, until, you know, their youngest was maybe at kindy or maybe even at school because they were so sort of swamped in motherhood. Or sometimes mums would come back, you know, right on the six-week postnatal check and they'd want to pick up right where they left off before they were pregnant. And I, at at the time, you know, I was, I'd never had my own children. I sort of noticed this and sort of noticed there was something that was, um, not adding up, but I wasn't really able to articulate it. But then after I had my second, I took the training with Julia Jones, the newborn mothers, basically because I wanted to support mums that I was teaching in the Pilates studio. I was teaching a lot of mums and bubs classes and I wanted to learn how to support them better, not just in terms of the exercises, but in terms of their mental and emotional health, because I felt like I fell into a big hole, I suppose, after, particularly after my son was born and no one seemed to address it. No one seemed to talk to me about it and I didn't know if that was normal or not. So I just wanted to understand more about supporting mums. And then halfway through that training, I realised I could be a postpartum doula too. (laughs) So I sort of fell into it by accident, but now I also support mums in their homes after they've been, after they've given birth. And um, so I attend them postnatally and will cook for them or um, sometimes I'll teach them um, safe. I won't really teach them, um, you know, traditional Pilates, but I'll teach them how to move safely in a way that is supportive and protective of their postnatal body, which is, has so much healing to do. And um, I'll also, I'm a shiatsu therapist as well. So I'll also give them body work. Mums always really love receiving body work in that time. And so that's sort of my, my, the bulk of my work. But because we've had a long period of lockdown in Melbourne, I've also um, recently over lockdown put some of my, my postnatal Pilates classes online to offer, you know, really in-depth I'm calling it at the moment birth rehab. So, you know, recovery of your pelvic floor and deep abdominals and your core system um, in in the sort of months after birth or the years, sometimes it's years after birth. So that's what I'm offering at the moment. And in terms of the amazing mother body, well, it's just amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and it's one of the things I feel like I wish it was talked about more Um, you know, like growing a baby is such a big deal and I feel like it just isn't recognised. A lot of the women that do my Pilates classes, they'll, they'll work right up until the due date nearly 
and then they might have a tricky birth or they might have a lovely birth, but very often they haven't put in any sort of preparation to postpartum and they might not realise how much healing needs to be happening. And um, then sort of like I mentioned earlier, they'll, they'll come back to the Pilates class, but they'll have all these injuries or they'll f- sort of have these things that I guess I started to think, hey, if we prepared the body better and if we took care to heal it afterwards, maybe women wouldn't be having these things that needed rehabilitating in the later parts of, not the later parts of motherhood, but, you know, into the years of motherhood. So I guess that's what I, one of the things that took me into the postpartum care is what really, really what would happen if we really deeply cared for mothers in that first 40 days, you know, like in a lot of traditional cultures is normal, would that change how women are then coming back into their bodies and feeling in their bodies in the the months after that or the years after that? You know, how, how would that change those women that are turning up to the classes I'm, I was teaching because a lot of them were really struggling. But, you know, just growing a baby is a massive challenge in terms of the nutrients it takes, in terms of the stretching of the skin, Skin and the muscles and the ligaments and the tissues and the changing load on the body. And then in terms of how that heals, you know, it just requires a lot of care. And I think what I've been thinking about a lot recently is how early motherhood is like an endurance sport. You know, I feel like there's a... Um, a a misconception is what I'm going to call it about mums just sitting around on the sofa and, you know, they're not doing very much movement because they're just breastfeeding in, you know, I say just in quotation marks, of course, but, you know, breastfeeding is extremely energy intense. And then from a movement perspective, very often they're holding their baby for something like 20 hours a day or, you know, like the load that is going through their arms and their shoulders and their wrists, and then, you know, the neck, like, it's really intense. And um, I, I feel like, you know, that sort of thing, that it just gets quite overlooked in terms of how, how the way mums use their bodies changes, particularly in early motherhood, but even later, you know, as, to- as children become, babies become toddlers, some mums feel like they've never been as active as when they are a stay-at-home mum or when they're looking after the young children because they might not have been you know, into sports and activities before they were pregnant. So I guess I'm just really interested in how the way we use our bodies or women use their bodies during that pregnancy and the postpartum and early mothering period can really be supported so that we don't have so many core injuries or so that if we do have those core injuries, how can we rehabilitate them and how can we move our bodies in a way that cares for our bodies rather than wears us out and exhausts us and creates injury. So that was a long chat. I'm <laughs> not sure if I covered all of the things. <laughs> yeah, it was quite long. It was, there was a lot in what I um, asked. Yeah, you definitely did cover it. I, I don't know um, how you feel, but I feel like because of our modern lifestyle, a lot of us are coming into pregnancy already with not so great physical habits like the way we move our body or we might have injuries um and so a lot Mm. of us do with forming better habits and being more aware of our bodily movements before pregnancy as well but then into pregnancy and you've got all the hormones and the stretching and the movement so then all of that sort of becomes exasperated in a way um yeah yeah, do you agree? Do you think the modern lifestyle or do you think that yeah. it's just a different, with the modern lifestyle sitting more, it's just a different sort of bad habit rather than, say, when we're out yeah. working the fields more? <laughs> well, I think it's a really interesting um, discussion because I totally agree. You know, a lot of times we sit in the chair for, you know, most of the time at work and then we might drive home or get the tram home if you're in Melbourne or, you know, maybe the bus if you're somewhere else. And then you might be standing up for a bit between the, you know, the train and home or whatever when you're walking home, but you might then spend a bit of time sitting watching TV or reading a book or something. You know, we're pretty sedentary. And I guess that's what I was sort of getting at when, you know, if that's the type of activity levels that you have, then 
actually in motherhood when you've got a baby that you're holding for multiple hours a day and then that baby grows into a toddler actually a lot of mums find that they're really active even if they are not that interested in getting fit and getting back into the gym which some mums are interested in that but not all are and actually they need to be you need to be pretty strong to be able to lift your baby lift the baby capsule you know lift the pram you know all those sorts of movements of motherhood are quite um, intense on the body at that point in the postpartum period when we're also at our most vulnerable because we've just grown a baby the ligaments are stretched the tissues are stretched the muscles are stretched given birth and whether that was via cesarean section or vaginally either way there's a lot of healing that needs to be done the ligaments need to heal the muscles need to heal and there's just a period of healing that has to happen but there's also a period of rehabilitation that I think needs to happen as well to get that core system connected. So by that, I mean the pelvic floor and the deep abdominals activated, but they need to coordinate with the diaphragm and the breathing so that there's a healthy activation through the core system so that when the mother is doing something effortful, like lifting her baby or her toddler, she's able to contract effectively and safely in and around her pelvis and spine rather than going down, bracing out and putting pressure going out into the weaker tissues, which might be in the early postpartum period, it might be that thinning of the abdominal tissue at the abdominal wall at the midline, which is the diastasis. Some women get sort of a bit more of an excessive diastasis, not all women but some do, and sometimes it's more weak going down through pelvic floor region and those ligaments um, can get overstretched if there's a not, a not safe sort of stabilising that happens beforehand. I'm not sure if I'm making that very clear. but mm. I think maybe just to clarify for the diastasis recti that that's um, a separation that happens. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't know, but that um, kind of from the bottom of the breast down, isn't it, there's these muscles and it can happen. Yeah, so so it happens like it's normal. It's completely normal for women to get. Sometimes in prenatal classes, the prenatal Pilates classes, sometimes mums will be really upset because their care provider has said, oh, you've got a diastasis. But actually it's really normal to have that. But but what's not, not normal is for it to stretch so much that it sort of separates or it gets too thin that then there's no integrity there through the tissues. So there's like this um, connective tissue that goes down through from the base of the ribs, it goes down past the belly button and down onto the uh, pubic bone. And so it's the line of, um, it looks like that hollow, if you have a six pack, it's that hollow in between those six pack muscles. Everyone knows a six pack hollow. (laughs) Not everyone has one, but (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that is normal for that stretch because your baby is growing during pregnancy and your belly muscles have to stretch and the connective tissue stretches and it's good. It's making space for your baby to be inside your body. But then we want that to be able to heal up postnatally and very often it heals postnatally absolutely um, fine and there's no issues. But for some women it doesn't heal up postnatally and they need a little bit more care um, in terms of some, perhaps some body work or perhaps some movement um, education around how they're moving their bodies to help it heal up. And, And if we stay on the topic of the diastasis, there's just some really interesting things that we can do to prevent it and to help it heal that are not really exercises. So like in pregnancy, I was teaching my prenatal class on Monday. Sorry, not Monday. I don't know why I said Monday, on Saturday. And um, one of the things I really helped them to understand, the mums to understand, is how they're activating their core system so that they can... Basically, I, I talk about hugging the baby in. So they're hugging the baby in from the base, from under the um, from the pubic bone up under the belly button. So basically... They, they can get those muscles hugging in and wrapping in and up like they're lifting their baby up and then they can release those muscles, soften and let the belly and the pelvic floor muscles release and relax. And so if you can get that sort of action before you do something effortful like lifting your toddler or lifting a heavy basket of wet washing, then you're, you're, 
you're moving and activating your core in a protective way. Does that make sense? That is going to stabilize in a really safe way, as opposed to sometimes um, I'll see women, they'll, they'll sort of create a feeling of stability in their abs, but it's pushing the abs out. So if you push your abs out, it still feels like it gets tight and toned, but that tends to create a bracing out effect, stretching the the abs and sometimes it even bears down into pelvic floor putting pressure down onto those ligaments that are already under extreme load um and so that's a less safe stability pattern so if you imagine doing that and then you add something heavy like a big basket of wet washing and you do that enough times then that excessively stretches those areas that are already weakened does that make sense yeah um yeah And so, you know, it's just stuff like that that I feel like that's really easy for people to learn and it's really important and it can really shift um, or make a difference between someone having, you know, an injury to their core system or, or not. And it's just by learning how they are in their body and how they're activating and loading their body in a way that they can do all all the time that they're moving their bodies. So, and I guess that's where I feel like the way that I work with women is not necessarily um, a traditional Pilates class because I don't know that it's that useful for them to build up abdominal strength necessarily when during pregnancy, but it is useful for them to figure out how to activate the muscles and then release the muscles because they want to be able to release the tension for birth, but they want to be able to activate to, to sort of stabilize in that safe way as well but then if we stay with the diastasis postnatally you know a lot of times mums will want to do sit-ups because they want to make their mummy tummy go away and number one I want to say your mummy tummy is amazing (laughs) it grew a whole baby and number two sit-ups are not going to make it go away there's um it, it has a lot to do with how you're aligning your body so how you're stacking your ribs over your pelvis or not if you're really tight in the lower back, if you're thrusting or flaring the ribs out and putting the abdominals on stretch and really how you're breathing is going to really affect that because sometimes uh, we, we try to breathe into the belly more, which is one way of breathing. And that's a way of breathing that is quite calming on our nervous systems, but it might not be the ideal way to breathe all of the time if we want to maintain or build, I suppose, resilience in our core system. So we want to get the diaphragm moving. We want to get the ribs moving. We want to get like a three-dimensional 360 expansion of the breath, which includes the side ribs, the back ribs, the diaphragm, yes, a little bit into the belly, and even, yes, a little bit into the pelvic floor so that if you get that expansion on your inhale, then you can get a really good, safe, effective contraction on your exhale. So it's about how all of those areas are coordinating together and so that's where I really love working with women is figuring out that that coordination and the balance of the core system. And then once once you've got that, then you can start adding, I call it load or effort. So you can start adding, you know, some weights if that's what you do. Or if in the Pilates studio, you could use the reformer or you could use some arm springs to add the load, but see how you're managing that core system and um, whether or not you're able to maintain that sort of feeling of stability coming in as you add the load or if you're starting to lose it and bracing out and bearing down. Mm. I feel like that was a lot of information. Is, a lot is that of okay? really great information. I was really trying to bring my breath awareness. Express has been very helpful for me in healing when I couldn't do mm. it myself. Um, yeah, it's really that holistic picture, isn't it? Because a lot of the time when people think of Pilates, they think just core. But that for everyone, but especially for mums in pregnancy and postpartum, need to take that picture into more where is the core and the pelvic floor, like understand the relationships between that whole, um, the whole body and how they Mm. interact. And then also being stage ready, like having someone there that can help you tune in and determine where you're at with the state of your body and feel into that and work out what the right steps are so that you don't do more damage or you don't skip ahead and you can really optimize healing by going yeah slowly and doing the right thing for your own body 
Mm. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people do think core and I, I talk about core, you know, I feel like your core system is important, but I think a lot of people think they need to strengthen their core and then they create like a, a lot of tension there and they lock down and they don't create a balance and um, sort of coordinated integrity. And so that's what's really important in preventing injuries. And I'm really interested in either preventing or helping women prevent or rehabilitate core injuries and by that I mean you know the diastasis we just talked about but also pelvic organ prolapse which is when some of the organs of the pelvis they sort of fall out of what is considered their ideal position and that can cause leaking and that can cause pain and discomfort and can just be very distressing for a lot of women and then also pelvic girdle pain so that's pain in the sacroiliac joint or the pubic symphysis um, and then just just leaking as well. So a lot of women have leaking during pregnancy, but postnatally as well. And I think these core injuries, this is what I'm calling them at the moment, are, are sort of a little bit neglected because there's this idea, oh, yeah, well, you just had a baby, so it's normal. And it kind of is normal for a lot of women at the moment. But I also think that there's so much that we can do to support women to heal from these injuries if only there was a little bit more nuance to, in the conversation around what what fitness is or what we use exercise or movement for because I think we were talking about this before we started recording but, you know, there's this idea that exercise is for toning up or getting fit or running a marathon but, you know, I really love you using movement to just be healthy. What about if we just use movement to care for our bodies and to be healthy in our bodies and to feel at home in our bodies and feel safe in our bodies and feel like we loved our bodies. You know, why do we always have to use it to be better or something other than we are? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just to bring awareness to it. So that movement brings circulation and, you know, lymph movement, there's all those health benefits, but also sometimes, especially in motherhood, we're just surviving and just going by day by day and life can feel a little bit hazy sometimes, especially if you're not getting much sleep. And so we can sometimes, I know for myself, and when I speak to other people, lose awareness of our bodies, even if we previously had good awareness or maybe we didn't at all. And, and then having um, this experience where our bodies changed has made us want to tune in and, and develop more awareness of what is actually going on in my body. How am I feeling? How does it feel when I do this? Um, yeah, it really feels like when you're talking about this, it's about forming these new habits. So whatever you're learning in the Pilates classroom, you're taking into your day-to-day. -day. It's not just like going to a netball class or something and just doing it, although you might train. It's You're going there to get skills to bring into your day and try mm -hmm. and form these new habits to be healing in, in almost everything that you do when you remember. Obviously, we're not going to remember at all times, but... Um, yeah, as much as possible, which I really love because it's empowering for women to be able to have that skill to themselves. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. talk about But I also I love before we jump into that, um, I'm glad that you mentioned what to look out for because it's so common. Like you said, it's almost normal. It's common that women experience prolapse. I remember looking up the stats a while ago and I can't remember what they were, but they were horrendous. Like so many women experienced. One, one in four women who've had a baby. I was going to say one you in You know, three. that's huge. One in three women who've had a baby will wet themselves. Those statistics are huge. huge. You know, and you put, you put them together and then, you know, I, I think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because, if you have prolapse or if you have like a leaking ongoing, it affects your day-to-day life. Or if you have pelvic girdle pain or diastasis that's not healing, then it affects your day-to-day -day life significantly. And, and it really affects your mental and emotional health and well-being. And I don't know how much that gets acknowledged. You know, I'm not sure how often, you know, women who are struggling with prolapse and pelvic girdle pain and leaking are going to get mental health support when actually maybe if they got some help to make their bodies feel less damaged, they might just feel a little bit better because they won't be worrying about if they're going to get to the toilet or not. You know, like I feel like this is really tangled up in mental health. And, um, you know, no amount of therapy is going to fix your pelvic floor. And I'm not saying that mental health um, 
therapy is not value. You know, I think it's extremely valuable, but I feel like so is your physical health and well-being. You know, there's, um, I can't remember the statistics, but I found this excellent quote. It was this, is life as a, I think the study was done a while ago, like it was in Melbourne. This study was, done, I think it's called Life as a Mother Project. And they looked at like, a, you know, a, a large number of women, you know, about, I think it was 1600 women. And it looked at um, postnatal injuries like leaking and lower back pain and pelvic pain and correlated it with um, depression, basically. And there was a really high correlation between physical discomfort, so pain um, and, and sort of dysfunction and then mental health and depression and relationship troubles. And I, I feel like that's why I'm so passionate about it because it's part of the whole picture. It's, and it's, it's so easy to sort of brush off the physical stuff or for some reason it doesn't always get talked about with the same um, sensitivity or inclusiveness as the mental health stuff. I'm, I'm not sure if that's how other people I, feel. But. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of what mums go through in, you know, birth, pregnancy, matrescence, has been swept aside and then certain things are being brought to the fore and brought to the conversation and mental health quite common we've got huge and it's awesome it's really important um you know we've got these depression anxiety we've got panda days and we've got so much more awareness there's still way to go but then those other aspects that women are going through it's almost still like this whispered conversation that might happen at the mums group between mums that don't, oh, I'm experiencing this, oh, me too, oh, therefore it must be normal. Even going to a practitioner and talking about it, um, which I did with my abdominal issues, and she was like, oh, just see how you go. And I'm like, no, this is, like, can you give me a referral? I had to really, like, <laughs> put my fist on the table, which I metaphorically, mm-hmm. and ask for a referral um, because, yeah, it, it does hinder your day-to-day, your relationships, the way you interact and play with your children if you're in pain it's just taking your mental energy which you don't have a lot of spare anyway um yeah and then yeah your relationship with your body your sexuality is it just so it's so broad reaching and then Mm -hmm. in the workplace so if women are going back to work i was thinking of nurses so for me at my worst going shopping with the kids and just lifting them in and out of the trolley and then shopping in and out of the car and the trolley i would have to come home. I was in so much pain. I couldn't walk that night. It was so painful. Um, and so there'd be women going through, I'm not alone. I'm just one of many people would thinking about going back to do nursing or childcare, anything that's physical. So it's hindering so many areas of our society. And it's just another thing that's sort of been, this pathology has been normalized. Like everyone's got, Oh, the numbers are high. Everyone goes mm-hmm. through it. It's been, made into almost yep. a bit of a joke, you know, oh, I'll wet myself instead of going, wait a minute. Well, there's so many amazing therapies that we can do to prevent and heal quickly. And what about just taking care of this amazing body that grew and birthed and now cares for this beautiful baby? Like why not nurture it and nourish it and rehabilitate it back to health? Like, I just find it astounding that that's not normal. (laughs) Hey there, I'm Julia. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this podcast, you'll probably really enjoy newborn mothers too. We provide online courses for professionals and mothers worldwide who believe birth is about making mums too. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Enjoy the rest of the show. But, you know, like I have a couple of... um you know, I hear that story a lot that you said, oh, I went and I, you know, said I wanted to, you went to your care provider and asked for a referral and you had to really advocate for yourself. You know, I hear that sort of story a lot because they're just like, oh, yeah, it's just normal or just wait and see, which in some cases it works and in a lot of cases it doesn't. And it's, it's just not that difficult to rehabilitate a body or to care for a body if only it was a conversation that was had and if only that was an option that was on the table but it makes me think of um a, or one of one of my friends her she had her first baby it was quite a difficult birth and um then not that long after her husband uh I can't remember how he did it he it was like a surfing accident or a skating accident or something but he dislocated his knee and he had to 
um, you know, wear a brace. And I think he even had surgery, but he got a lot of rehab, you know, like he got a lot of physio support and rehab to strengthen the knee and make sure it was all right. And, you know, I just think, well, what about his wife who's just had a baby? There's nothing for her, you know? And sorry, while I'm, while I'm on this topic, I remember this other couple I used to teach um, a lot before they had children and really, really gorgeous. And then um, they had their first baby and I, I didn't see the mum afterwards for a couple of years. I, I'm pretty sure her partner came in a few times. And then, the, then they had the second baby. And of course, I never saw her again, but he had to have surgery on his foot. And he came in and he booked one-on-one classes with me to rehabilitate his foot, which is fantastic. I love doing injury rehabilitation. I love supporting people to do that. But I also was like, where is your wife? She has just had a baby. She also needs rehabilitation. You know, it's this idea that I, I, I sort of wonder if it's because they're internal injuries, they're harder to see, they're harder to talk about because there's a bit of shame around that area of the body. I feel like maybe that's part of why it isn't sort of treated and acknowledged, but it's much easier for people who have an ankle injury or a knee injury to get that rehabilitation. But actually the same sort of support needs to be given to to women, to post postnatal women as well, yeah. and can be given to them as well. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and I think it is about partly that shame. So they're still kind of breaking, even though you know it's so different to say when my nan had babies. Um, there's so much more open conversation, but there's still a way to go. And also that normalization of not of women going, well, maybe this is just normal. Maybe after kids, you just wet yourself a bit when you sneeze, and this is just how I'll live for the rest of my mm. life. Um, and mm-hmm. being, like being in a culture that sort of promotes um, treating things when they're really bad rather than preventing and addressing things and, yeah. and aiming to thrive. So that doesn't mean life's going to be all like rainbows and sunshine, but it's like aiming to thrive and wanting to and knowing that you can, you can do so many things and being empowered to. But I was, you should have seen my like big smile and nodding as you're talking because my partner also had a knee reconstruction before we met and yeah, it was quite easy for him to go and get physio over his knee. I think at one point when he was, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I should be doing this for myself at one point. I had the same sort of yeah. thought process. So yeah, it's interesting. But yeah. Um, yeah, I love that you talked about, well, actually, no, before that, I really just wanted to ask you, what role so we're both you know really interested in traditional postpartum care philosophy and and working with women women in a modern way in that framework but rest although what place does rest have in all of this in the po- in the fourth trimester well it has a big place if only we would allow it <laughs> and and that's one of the things you know i think i sort of mentioned that at the start i think that's a really interesting thing to explore Still, most of the women that um, come to my Pilates classes, you know, I'll sort of try and talk to them about the postpartum period and the fourth trimester. And, you know, unless they're a second time mum, then the sort of, you know, they can only think up to the birth. It's really hard to think into the fourth trimester. Um, But I'm really, really interested in exploring with a larger group of women than I have yet explored with the idea that if you really do prioritise rest and care, how is that going to impact your pelvic health? Is that going to make it less likely for women to have ongoing pelvic health issues? Um, One of my colleagues, she's just done a master's in um, chronic pain and um, how that often develops in menopause. And one of the markers for it developing in menopause that she picked up on was um, a a poor or a lack of... um, deep nourishing rest and care in the early postpartum window. And I actually had a client earlier in the year who she, I cared for her in her postpartum um, period and she, she really struggled to rest. You know, she was, was her first baby and she's super capable, super efficient, really gorgeous woman. 
and um, really lovely mum and really hard to rest because she's used to being busy and capable and that sort of thing. But she rolled her ankle during pregnancy. And, and, and so one day when I was there talking to her and caring for her, I think it was when I was doing some body work with her and we we're talking about how she rolled her ankle during pregnancy. And she's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to walk for six weeks. I had to keep off it for six weeks and rest. And that was like a real light bulb moment for her because she's like, oh, that's what I need to do now. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting um, reflection to have and really useful because, you know, aside from all the other physiological things that have to heal and um, there's also just the healing ligaments and tissues of the pelvis, the pelvic floor, and um, actually if you're upright and walking around a lot, then it's really hard for them to return to their more normal tone state because they get so stretched during pregnancy. So that takes a while for them to return to their normal, not so stretched state. So if you're always upright and walking around, there's a lot of load going down. And so, you know, I think, yeah, people don't sort of always make that um, connection, I think, between the rest in terms of the pelvic floor health and the pelvic floor healing. And, and because that's where I'm interested in, that's where I really like to support women to understand that if they are standing up and they feel an aching or a heaviness or a dragging feeling in their pelvic floor region, that means they've done too much and they need to sit down if they can, or they need to lie down really. So yeah, prioritizing rest, like literally lying down for the first two weeks at least and then not lifting anything too heavy for the first six weeks. That's where you need your support network around you to lift the toddler or the groceries that got delivered um, so that, you know, there's an element of protection of your healing body so that you're not overloading it too soon, which is when sometimes women will develop a prolapse because they did something too uh, challenging for their bodies too soon lifted their toddler when they got home from the hospital after birth and then they sort of put that load down through the pelvic floor and some women will say oh yeah actually I, I felt it happen you know in those early weeks postnatally but I didn't you know often they'll say but I didn't know because nobody told them that they needed to rest to help their pelvic floor heal which is going to affect the rest of their life it's very very difficult to heal a prolapse it's much easier to prevent it um, but if only women knew and and learned and were given the support they needed to be able to prioritize that rest to promote healing in the first six weeks. Yeah. So rest rest is like my number one thing. Rest, nutrition as well. You know, all of this movement stuff doesn't really matter if you're not taking good nutrition in because if you don't take in the good nutrition, then you haven't got the building blocks to rebuild your muscles and ligaments anyway. So yeah, rest, nutrition. And then that's where I like to bring in the, the movement and the body work. Yeah. And all of that is really reliant on good support as well. You can't rest yeah. um, much, especially second, third, fourth time round, unless mm. you have that support network. So it's really about that culture shifting, mm. isn't it? It comes back to that. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, it was a while back I posted on my Instagram, I came, I found this really amazing old book. I can't, it's actually under the laptop, so I can't show you. <laughs> it's really thick. It's like huge. Um, and it's an old book about um, women's health, but there's a whole section there on lying in and confinement. And it was written in the 1900s. Um, I think that section was written by a woman, a midwife. And, yeah, it really states all of this. Lie down for two weeks depending on your birth to prevent prolapse is pretty much what it says. And then there's all this other stuff you can do and there's even some really mild movements which would look like restorative yoga to kind of counter that gravity of everything weighting down on your pelvic floor. And I just thought that was amazing, you know, here we are in 2020 talking about how we need to rebuild our support networks and and to rest and all of these preventative measures that were known we know from so many cultures and traditions but even so this was yeah a book written in melbourne actually <laughs> funnily enough i remember seeing you post about it sometime yeah yeah so really i think 
that long ago that women and so it's been shifted and when I think when people see that it wasn't that long ago and it's only a couple of generations and the reasons why why were women in and out of hospital quickly why did our community supports break down then we can start looking at how we can reweave them and heal them Hmm. and so not everyone's going to have access to that optimally so it's going to take time I think you know many years of us and some people will and hopefully some people will start to invest in postpartum doulas and and classes and therapists more but for people I what I really love about what you've been talking about is it's something that people can feel empowered to do on their own as well it's pretty cost effective it's something you can do at home amidst life And form great habits for life as well. So it's that long-term prevention, that 40 days for 40 years. Philosophy. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really love doing with women because I feel like it brings us back into being responsible in a good way for our own health and our own bodies. And um, it, you know, it, it takes us out of being sort of reliant on outside care providers of which I am one, (laughs) you know, like I love supporting women and I also love going to get a massage or osteo or that sort of thing. But I also think in early motherhood is sometimes impossible to have the time or have the money or have the childcare to get to those providers. And, you know, sometimes, and also sometimes people live in areas where there aren't those sorts of providers. So, I guess I'm really interested in, well, actually we can care for our bodies ourselves. It's really not that difficult. It's really simple, you know, resting, learning some simple self-care bodywork practices, learning some simple movement, learning how to release and relax your body, learning how to breathe better. It's all stuff that you can do moment to moment every single moment if you want to. You know, sometimes people don't want to do that and that's okay, but I also feel like, you know, one of the things I love doing when I'm teaching my postnatal classes is helping mothers to figure out what is a good exercise for them, you know, and sometimes it's very overwhelming and they don't know, but, you know, I'll teach, I always teach like a, a sideline rotation, which rotates the ribs and the spine. So it's a really nice stretch. You know, if you're holding your baby, you get really tight through those neck and shoulders. So a little bit of a rotation. And then I always teach a diaphragm release self-diaphragm release so you you use or the mother uses her hand on her um lower ribs upper abdominals and she gives herself a little bit of a massage and just by doing that she is helping to downregulate her nervous system she's helping herself to breathe better and she's helping her diaphragm to mobilize and her diaphragm ideally coordinates with her pelvic floor so she's helping her pelvic floor health and function and so a lot of the mums that I work with after a few weeks of doing classes they'll they'll be like oh yeah I've been doing that one every day I just find it so helpful do you know what I mean like I just feel like it's nice to have things that you can do every day at home or um, like I said you know those strategies for lifting so how you create that core stability so when you're lifting your child or the heavy pram, you're strengthening your body whilst you're doing it rather than damaging your body. So, um, yeah, I just feel like taking back our own capacity to care for ourselves is huge. And it's, it's sort of we live in a culture where we kind of outsource that care to everybody else. And I really feel like it's, it's really quite remarkable when we can really take care of ourselves. And you, you were saying how, you know, not everybody has um, the ideal postpartum situation and I completely agree. And I, I didn't really have the ideal postpartum situation for either of my children. But my second postpartum experience was, was vastly improved just because I had learned about the first 40 days and in myself I was able to change my expectations from being okay I've got to back, get back to normal by you know two days <laughs> was I wasn't quite that bad but <laughs> you know just bouncing back to oh actually I need to prioritize rest for these first six weeks and so just that shift in my attention really transformed that postpartum I period for me I didn't have a postpartum doula I didn't you know have 
excessive amounts of support, but it was that focus in, that shift in focus in myself, you know, in terms of, well, actually, what do I need to do to take care of me? Because that's the priority at this point in time. So then I can take care of my baby and I had a toddler as well. And, um, yeah, I just think sometimes it is just thinking of that a little bit differently, which I know is a lot easier said than done. But at least if we know that, you know, there's this idea of the first 40 days and how important that is in postpartum care, then we can try and implement some of those care practices. And then if we also know that postpartum doesn't end at six weeks, so you don't just get to six weeks and go, okay, I'm going to go out for a jog now. Actually, then is the period of rehabilitation and, um, you know, another phase of that healing that occurs and that, that healing will carry on for about two years and that's normal. Yes, yeah, extending it out is so important and there is still this idea in some, for some people that, you know, um, agrarian cultures or um, nomadic tribal cultures would just pop the baby out and off they go. <laughs> it just isn't true. Like even when you talk, especially when I've spoken with or read about um, postpartum care culture in African cultures, it was like up to three months depending on the birth. It was really like, okay, yep, six weeks for definitely like 40 days and then maybe you need more. You just sort of reassess and, um, mm. yeah, you're not having to worry about, you know, two days postpartum doing your Kate Middleton photo out the front of the hospital. <laughs> I, my second was born just around about her, the time of her, I think, first. And I remember her doing that, one of, the, one of her photos. I can't remember which child it lined up with, but it was around about the same time she did her photo. And I remember saying to my midwife, oh, my God, she looks amazing, you know. <laughs> And I was like, I was really affected by it because there I was, like, I hadn't brushed my hair for three days, you know, I had milk dropping everywhere. <laughs> my midwife was like, mm, I think she's probably had hairdressers and got a girdle on and, you know, she'll go home and she'll get in her pyjamas. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not a picture of reality. I saw some great parodies of it actually afterwards of people going, like putting Kate Middleton up and then themselves. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's much more realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that it can be something that people can do now. And then also I was thinking, you know, that changes. There's just little things that start changing the culture. So now we've got a mum at the playgroup however many months down the track when this conversation comes up of birth and, and recovering and healing that she's going, oh, well, actually... I did Pilates and I learned this breath work and I learned this and it's really helping me instead of like, Oh yeah, we all wet ourselves and that's normal. Um, <laughs> so I love that There's more people that get empowered. And also even if they're just doing the bare minimum and just little bits intermittently in the early months and days, um, they know that there's this therapy and this um, modality is already out there that they can go to. They know that there's ways that you can heal. Just having the knowledge, that you know you can look for something and you can try. Just knowing that is huge. Um, mm. So many women just kind of surrender and, and put up with what they think is their fate of being injured. Um, yeah, we've covered so much. So for women that you're working with, what are some other therapists that you would recommend if... Um, yeah, if you felt like maybe they needed more care so you could empower them to do something at home but they were needing a bit more. And maybe mm -hmm. for all women postpartum, everyone should have a few appointments. What sort of therapist? And then what are some questions that you would ask or that you would recommend women ask those therapists to see if they're experienced with women after birth? Um, I often recommend to uh, osteopaths mm -hmm. because I feel like they do really great work in terms of structural body work. So how the bones are aligning and how the bones align affect how the ligaments are um, working and how the muscles are working and how the nervous system digestion, they sort of work really holistically. But sometimes um, women's health physios are really helpful as well and actually I, I think 
um, it's really helpful for most women to have an appointment with a women's health physio or with someone who practices something like holistic pelvic care. So someone that can do some internal work and see if there is any injury or any damage or um, how the pelvic floor is working and functioning. Sometimes um, women don't understand how to activate and connect their pelvic floor. And so sometimes they really need to see a women's health physio just so that they can get that um, really clear in their mind, how it feels in their body. So they're doing the sort of um, the pelvic floor activation in the right way. And um, so they're the main two in terms of coming from the movement perspective that I will recommend. I, I almost always will try and suggest they see, you know, a women's health, someone who's practiced in working with women or prenatally or postnatally. Often women will have like a practitioner that they uh, work with prenatally and they quite like to carry on with the same person, which is really fine. But also I feel like the, the state of pregnancy and postpartum is actually really specific and um, working with, pre and postnatal bodies is really precious. And there's a lot, like I said, that we can do in terms of helping mums to feel better. So I often do recommend seeking out someone who is experienced in working with pre and postnatal and women's health physios will obviously already, that's their sort of bread and butter work. Um, with an osteo, you probably just need to ask them if they're used to working with pregnant women or postnatal women. And, you know, if that's something they're passionate about, you know, I think people that get into the pre and postnatal care are really passionate about it. <laughs> and everyone can probably, you know, like I have loads of Pilates teachers who are my colleagues and they can teach pre and postnatal, but they're not, it's not all, it's not their absolute passion. Do you know what I mean? Like they're very capable and they're excellent at it, but they, they're, you know, they might be more passionate about teaching dancers or, you know, teaching people with back pain or something like that. So I think probably my I would just ask if that was one of their passions really or interests. Um, and also a lot of osteos will treat, not, not a lot, but some osteos will treat children as well. So some, you know, often if they're a pediatric osteo, they'll also obviously treat the mum and the baby. And that's quite a nice thing to do. Um, chiropractors can sometimes be really wonderful as well. Um, but again, it just depends on the, the particular practitioner and if that's some, something that suits you. Um, and then I'll often, um, sometimes women will do really well with, uh, getting some acupuncture. Um, and I often suggest naturopaths as well, because I feel like we're very often severely depleted, um, and need a bit of support with our nutrition. So great recommendations. Yeah. yeah naturopaths is great or a holistic GP that can do tests if you yeah. really need, maybe get some, Look at like, yeah, making sure you're getting everything that you need nutritionally, but also test if need be, thyroid, that sort of thing. Great advice. Yeah. Awesome. And I think, you know, that's a whole nother chat, but nutrition is often really not, not addressed as much as it needs to be. <laughs> so I feel like nutrition is really key, you know, to getting some help and support with that. And those needs do go up postpartum as you're recovering and if you're breastfeeding. Mm. Um, yeah I think people forget that and also changes so what you could eat easily and was enough when you're pre-pregnancy then changes in pregnancy and postpartum because your nutritional needs where you've given out so much and then um yeah especially if you're breastfeeding and to heal you need higher levels of of things like collagen yeah. and, you know all the minerals and vitamins and I think that's something that's not that well understood. I know I didn't understand it that well. Um, and then I, I got really severe postnatal depletion. So this is one of the other reasons I'm really interested in this sort of work. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's just, actually, I lost my train of thought then. <laughs> I'm sorry. It does really, no, that's <laughs> We've been talking for a while. Um, it does really tie in, like you said before, it's really important to be looking. You can't, you can do all the physical work, but if you're not getting the building blocks, the protein yeah. and the collagen and everything like that and oh, improving your gut health to absorb things, then you're just not going to heal. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what it's I was thinking. Longer. Okay. Cool. <laughs> we're on track. We're on flow. 
Yeah, that, that like just the foundational nutrition is important for healing. You know, like our bodies are an amazing and will heal, but only if we put the stuff in that they really need. So. Yeah, and the emotional load. Like you can be doing all the great – it's all connected, you know. You can be doing all the – eating all the great stuff and it will help, but if you're stressed, then that's going to hinder healing and absorption. Um, yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. There's so much good info in there. Really excited to share this. Um, I'd love for you to share with people where to find you and I'll put all the links up in the show notes and your offerings at the moment. So I did have a look on your website and yeah, you've got some great um, sort of one-on-one offerings there too. Um, yes. So I have a website. It's called bearingwonder.com. So B-E-A-R-I-N-G wonder.com. Uh, and I have, you know, Bearing Wonder Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and so in Melbourne, I offer in-home postnatal support. And if you're not in Melbourne, sorry, it's a bit far, but um, I do offer online support. So in particularly in terms of this way of working with your body. So I have an online um, course, which is an eight-week mother body birth rehab course. So that's, you know, going through the fundamentals that I've talked a bit about, you know, in terms of getting your core um, recovered. So pelvic floor and deep abs and getting that all coordinated um, through your breathing. So the fundamentals of what you need to do in terms of postnatal rehabilitation. And then I have um, sort of a spin off of that, which is like the next level. So phase two, so mums that have been through that initial training and organization of their core, then they can go into a stronger class. So they challenge it and build a bit more strength but I also have one-on-one offering you know one-on-one classes so sometimes people just want that one-on-one support and attention because sometimes they've got you know specific things going on so I can do those classes um, over zoom which actually works really well (laughs) surprisingly (laughs) Um, having been doing it consistently for I don't know, about seven months now. It actually works really well teaching people on Zoom because I'm always looking at them. They can't get away. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's very intensive. Yes, yeah, it's but it's nice. It's not too intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too intense. Getting <laughs> that yeah. um, one-on-one focus, you can really – and, you know, when you've got that time there, you just go, okay, let's make the most of it. Let's focus in as well. And I'm glad yeah. you mentioned um, women at all phases because if someone's listening and they're thinking – oh, far out, you know, like I had my kids five, ten years ago. <laughs> There's no hope for me. That's not true. So this, anyone can come in mm. any phase. And, and yeah, so- it's not too late. That's the thing I think is really interesting. I was talking to a mum the other day and her her youngest is, is he, he's eight. And so she's just started working with me because she's just realised she never did that rehab after her baby was born and she's got, you know, a few different things going on. And she's like, oh, actually maybe it's because I never really recovered after birth. So we've started doing some work and that's going really well. I love that. I love that idea actually for postpartum repletion holistically, like overall, that I found when I'm talking to women not pregnant or in early motherhood, they, when they hear about this concept of traditional postpartum care, they often there's sadness and grief about mm. what they've lost and what we've other people have lost and as a culture. But then reframing that to go, well, you can still give yourself this. You can go, I'm just going to go on a binge of making bone broth and like herbal stews and soups and I'm going to go see therapists and I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to give myself a little mini postpartum admits amongst life. You might not be able to sit on the couch for the whole six weeks, but you can still be doing that and kind of do a bit of a catch up, which I think is really positive. Yeah, definitely. That's, That's what I did actually a couple of years ago when I was at my most unwell with postpartum postnatal depletion I did six weeks like a mini postpartum do-over and that was what um sort of started me back into my sort of getting better again it was amazing so yeah yeah, never it's never too late it's never too late (laughs) I'm still doing it yeah I think I hit one year postpartum and I went saw a naturopath I was like okay I'm just so depleted here and um yeah, I'm catching up and I'm just starting to feel like, you know, in the last six months or so, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can feel all this liver and bone broth and vegetables and herbs. And I was eating pretty well. I was always pretty healthy, but, um, yeah, kind of upping it a little bit. So, yeah, there's always hope. 
Yeah, I think that's such an interesting thing because when I was pregnant, particularly with my, well, I think with both of them, I was so worried if the baby was getting all the enough nutrients, it never occurred to me that, well, what about all the stuff that's getting sucked out of my body, you know, and it was too, and I didn't realise that until it was too late and then I was exhausted. So, um, yeah, it's, it's such an important thing to consider, isn't it? Absolutely. Keeping mums healthy. Yes, long time. <laughs> Who would have been? Yeah, no, crazy idea. <laughs> I'm sure our great grandmothers and whoever are like listening in metaphorically, like whatever your beliefs are, mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sophie. It was really lovely connecting and having you share. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, we'd love for you to contact us and share any ideas you have for future podcasts and to share that with friends and family or anyone who might get something from the podcast. Leaving a review on iTunes is really helpful as well because it helps us uh, be seen and share what we're passionate about more.